Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great, big, wonderful world of tabletop gaming that we are currently in. It has been said many times, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just so many good games that we can be playing right now, that we can be spending our hobby dollars on, spending our hobby time. It's just it's really hard to know where to turn, um, what games to play. There are just so many things. And if you're like me, you might sometimes wonder, am I missing something? There are so many good games. I don't want to miss a second of it. Well, that's what Cast Dice is for, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the cast. And we are going to explore some of the industry events that are going on, uh, some of the games that we've enjoyed playing, and uh, talking to the people who make these games. Now, if you go back to the very beginning of Cast Dice, one of our very first guests ever um, was a gentleman who was very patient with us uh, when we started uh, because we had him on. And I was really excited to have him on because he was, at that point, a future game designer uh, because his game hadn't come out. And he was patiently waiting throughout the entire interview where I was asking about his game and likening it to other games, which um, I'm sure is probably not the nicest experience. Uh, But he, a year on, um, has uh, been kind enough to come back and talk about his next project and to talk about the game that I can honestly say in the last 12 calendar months, I have played more than any other. Of course, I'm talking about... Mike Hutchinson, and Gaslands. Mike, welcome back to Cast Dice. Hi, Brad. Nice to be back on. It's great having you, man. I guess we'll have to fight through a little bit of a Skype lag tonight, but I'm sure we can soldier through it. Now, the last time, as I said, that we had you on, we were talking about Gaslands as a game that hadn't come out yet. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? Because um, I think... Am I correct in saying that it's been a little bit more popular than your initial uh, expectations? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'm sitting here, what is it? It's basically 12 months after the game came out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the response has been phenomenal. I mean, I was having enough fun just designing the game and writing the game and rolling the game through playtesting that I kind of didn't mind um, how it fell out. Uh, Osprey puts out a solid selection of rules. Mm. Um, but, you know, not all of the ones that I've got sitting on my shelf get played that much uh, down my club. So I didn't really know what to expect. And I wasn't sure whether people would respond to the no miniature aspect of it, which obviously has been a huge thing. But mm. yeah, I mean, honestly, Brad, I've been blown away, predominantly by just like how positive the community that's grown up around it has been, both on um, on Facebook and on Board Game Geek and on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride the last uh, 12 months. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of the Osprey rule sets, uh, specifically A Fistful of Yen, um, uh, no, A Fistful of Kung Fu. How, how did I get that wrong? Um, Ronin um, and the, uh, the Star, like the Rogue Trader game. And all of those are great reads, um, really well put together, as you say, great products. Um, and, you know, we get them all the way back and down here in Australia. Um, they show up on the shelves of regular game stores everywhere. Um, mm. But none of those games have the popularity of yours. Um, I just, I think it, A, speaks volumes about the the playtesting process, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute anyway, um, and your enthusiasm for just putting out a great, uh, simple, but effective and engaging rule set 
um, based on toys that you can buy literally almost anywhere. Yeah. I mean, full full credit to Phil at Offspray. Uh, I wasn't 100% like focused on the toy cars element when I wrote the rules. I mm. think the first couple of games I played, I had like some drop fleet command, drop zone commander, like trucks rattling mm-hmm. around. But uh, yeah, when he found the game, he was like, okay, we're doing this and it's going to have Hot Wheels and you're going to paint a load of Hot Wheels and we're going to put them in the book and it's going to be super good. And boy, was he right. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those really awful addictive things. And you said it when the last time you were on, you were like, yeah, you know, I just picked up a few and now I have something like 50 cars. Um, And I laughed and (laughs) I said, oh, ha, ha, ha. And that's how we go as gamers. And I now have 50 cars. Um... So, yeah, um, <laughs> people have been joking that you are secretly a stock owner for, you know, whoever makes Hot Wheels or Matchbox and that you are raking it in. Um, I am astonished how many cars grown men are playing. And now when I walk, you know, to, you know, the Big W or Walmart or Tesco or whatever the local equivalent is, even if I'm going in for like light bulbs or toilet paper or whatever else. Oh, you better believe I stopped in that toy aisle. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Every, I stop at a grocery store almost every day on the way to work and I buy some fruit and yogurt to have during my day at school. And I walk by that toy aisle every single morning. And it's astonishing <laughs> how quickly Hot Wheels cars, new ones get put on the shelf. And, uh, you know, my kids will see me with a new car on my desk, rolling it back and forth while I'm conferencing with kids. And they're going, oh, are you going to put guns on that one? Rockets, flamethrowers, what are you going to do? Um, and, the, you know, I teach 10-year-olds, and they they love the idea of your game. And I just think, um, I know a lot of dads, or moms even, have been playing it with their kids. Um, and I think it just is, again, part of that welcoming community that you were talking about. But I think I'm talking too much. So why don't you talk about this community that's been building up the game? Because I, I don't think Gaslands would be what it is without it. Yeah, man, we broke the 10,000 mark on the Facebook group recently, which is totally mind boggling. Um, And I think what you've been saying there about like the ease from which you can go from accidentally uh, buying a toy car when you're just supposed to be getting milk Mm -hmm. to having something with some guns stuck on that you are kind of okay with splashing some paint on because there's something about the, 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 because the miniatures are cheap. You haven't mm-hmm. played, paid much for the model. And also they're pre-painted, but not, you know, not how you would want to. I think people are just quite, they're just quite happy to dive in and splash paint on them and mess them up. And, you know, if you completely ruin it, who cares? Like it's just another dollar mm-hmm. or uh, another quiz to, uh, to replace it. So I think that people have been diving really into the buy it, stick stuff on, paint it, post a picture of it, loop, because it's just quicker than, you know, if you buy a really beautiful miniature and you want to post it up, you know, your work in progress or your, or your, or your, um, finished piece, then there's like a, I don't know, maybe, maybe I've just lowered the bar a little bit in terms of the quality, but I think that that's kind of opened it up. And so there's the community's really humming with people posting pictures mm-hmm. and posting ideas about new, um, kind of new team ideas or ways that they want to convert and build the stuff. Um, so yeah, that's been one super positive aspect. I think also just something about, it comes up so many times, like when when a rules debate gets 
particularly kind of knotty, then at some point somebody will chime in and say, ah, we're just playing with toy cars, it's all good. And that kind of carries through a lot of the mm. community interaction. But it's super difficult to be po-faced when you're just pushing toy cars around making room room noises. Yeah, and I think there's actually a really important rule that should be mentioned at this point in the rule set. And I know I've mentioned it every single time that we've podta- podcasted about um, or talked about Gaslands, even in passing in other episodes, um, you wrote in a really clever rule. And I know that it, a lot of game designers put that loophole in where it's, oh, remember, it's a game between friends. Um, and if you have a disagreement, roll a, you know, a six-sided dice. And on a four-up, it's one way. And on a you know, three-down, it's the other way. Um, whereas your game, Rule of Carnage, it's very clearly laid out. Whatever's going to cause the most damage will. And every single rules discussion that I have seen, maybe 80% of them, you know, that both people look at each other and go, rule of carnage, let's do this. And that's it. Um, it's It was a really simple rule. I don't know, was that you? Did that someone else suggest that? How did that come into being? Because that has fixed so many problems. So yeah, that rule, that rule came in very early on. That was just something that I wanted to put in because, you know, we... For for everyone that's played DW games, you're super used to the uh, you know if some if something if some if you don't know what the, the particular interpretation of something is, then flip a coin, roll roll dice. But uh, it just seems like you you have to have a tie breaking rule. You have to have this cover all. You know, it's a social contract, so you got to have something when it breaks down. And that's just like a really fun and thematic way of solving the problem. There's a really interesting side effect to that rule as well, which is. Um, one of the key developers on the game, and he is, uh, I guess you, you describe, I describe him as a harder player, like mm. into uh, interpreting the rules um, very closely and making sure that he's maximizing the interactions between the rules. He's very interested in, uh, in finding all that kind of stuff. And he's um, responsible for tightening up the perk system in a way that I just, I, I'm not fully capable of because I'm more of a, more of a sort of um, story player. Mm. And he's more of a rules player. But he also really likes the rule of carnage from a pure um, table play perspective, which is that when you are playing with the flip a coin rule, then from turn to turn, you never really know how things are going to work out. And right. you might just get the flip against you a couple times in a row. It's almost like the rule itself is unfair, although it's trying yeah. to be fair and even handed. It is actually inherently just not fair. Whereas this rule it never biases one player or the other. It only biases carnage. So if you're driving as if there's going to be carnage, then you're going to be able to sort of manipulate how the how the rule of carnage works out for you, which is kind of, kind of intriguing. It is, and it definitely eliminates um, a serious, you know, some, some, I guess, how do you, a case of the feel-badsies um, in the middle of a game when, you know, it doesn't go your way, but you think it should. In this case, it's fair. You know what to do, and it really does help drive the game towards that, you know, sort of fun, fast, furious, um, the excess that makes the game so wonderful. I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from people's battle reports and so on is that um, multiple times people have said, you know, I didn't, I didn't win or I didn't make it to the end or I had most of my team destroyed quite early on or there was a moment where a bunch of cars crashed into each other and mine got caught by an explosion and died. And I was absolutely happy about that because it was super good and it was really funny and blah, blah, blah. So I think there's also that element, which is that the game is sort of careening out of control anyway. And particularly the explosion rule seems to be really Mm -hmm. successful at creating these situations where 
stuff explodes and you're totally excited about that even if it's your own stuff and you just kind of want to drive to see everything blow up rather than necessarily obviously obviously there's there's, uh, there's skill in winning particularly in the death race um, and we've run a couple of events ourselves where um, there's no question the guys that uh, the guys that get to the top tables in like the UK Masters of Malifaux also absolutely destroy on the table at Gaslands if mm-hmm. they've really got their eye in but at the same time, there's a lot of fun to be had just seeing how many things can explode before the end of the game. Well, Mike, when the game sort of took off, was it sort of pedal to the metal? Was it like a drag race? Did it sort of blow out immediately or did it sort of take its time? Because I know I was playing friendly games down here for a little while um, and it wasn't until a few key people got into the game that all of a sudden the community, at least in Melbourne, sort of blew up. And we have, you know, on average 10 players uh, any given, you know, Wednesday fortnight. Um, was it sort of like that for you or was it just they they started flying out the door and they kept flying out the door? Well, so I don't get much visibility of how the books sell, interestingly. Like I get a, mm. I get a, a little email every six months that tells me uh, what the total is. But I do have... Uh, traffic to the website that I that I can look at, and I do have mm. the number of new members in the group. And I've got to say that the last twelve months have been a pretty steady burn. So it's been a kind of a, st- a steady curve of growth over the last year. So that kind of like by about June this year, I was really excited by the fact that it didn't seem to have a big spike at the beginning, and then people were drifting away. It was a nice, slow, steady upward curve with more and more people coming, and presumably meaning that they were enjoying the game and and, and telling their friends, and then they were telling their friends. So um, I think that that growth has that growth has been continuing throughout the year in terms of what I can see of the community um, kind of kind of beginning to multiply. And that's really, really exciting. Um, one measure of success I've also got is that um, uh, people who are around at the beginning of the game will have noticed that uh, I used to sell stuff directly on the website. And for the first four or five months, um, my living room here at home was just like stacked, stacked up with boxes of envelopes and boxes of tokens and rule books and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically every evening when I was coming home uh, from work and uh, once we put the baby to sleep, uh, we would stuff in envelopes with uh, Gaslands templates and tokens, which um, was kind of essential to get the game off the ground. Mm-hmm. But uh, really 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 was a quite a, a time sink and i'm really glad not to be doing that anymore but it was kind of a critical uh it was like it was like me saying this is this is real i want you to get involved here are some shinies to tempt you in uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be supported and then um after after realizing how much work running a mail order shop from my house was um a friend on twitter uh suggested um basically suggested the friends of gasland scheme and said mm-hmm. why don't you just get people to use to pay you a couple of bucks on patreon and uh, get them to do the hard work and i thought about it for a couple of days and i was like this is genius why has nobody else done this mm-hmm. yet so here we are like maybe f- seven months later and i think there is more than 50 independent makers and kind of smaller um laser cut and 3d printing companies making gaslands branded um stuff and it's just superb it means that communities in australia communities in canada communities um in uh in uh, europe in germany can get local stuff uh with cheap postage and also there's just loads of people being really 
creative and enthusiastic about the game. It's yeah, that's been an amazing experience. It has, and it also adds that local community aspect to um, to an otherwise would be in an international game. Um, you know, I'm able to get uh, quite a few really high quality. Uh, you know, uh, template sets and dice sets down in Australia now, whereas before, um, you know, you would have to order internationally. My first set, the one that I'm still using in all my games, I uh, mail ordered from Thomas Wynn, friend of the show uh, from the U.S., and, you know, paid a million dollars in shipping to get it down here, and it was great, um, and I still use them constantly. But now I keep kind of looking at other websites or, you know, locally going, hmm, maybe I need a second set for when I show my friends the game. Hmm. <laughs> Um. Yeah. It's coming up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I, I guess that is one of the things. Um. I mean, we talked about how cheap the cars are, and when I I don't think we've necessarily mentioned it this time, but Osprey is not expensive. I think the retail U.S. dollars on the book is something like twenty dollars for the game itself. Um, and that has all the templates you need if you want to just photocopy them out of the back. It's got everything you need as far as vehicle cards. It's, it is an all-inclusive package. So even if you're buying 10 Hot Wheels cars um, and you're you know talking U.S. dollars, if I was in the U.S. right now and wanted to buy it, I could get in on this game all in with like 10 cars for what? $30, $35? Um, which is amazing. It is it's just fantastic. So do I feel bad going out and splurging for another $10 maybe, maybe, on a set of custom dice for the, you know, the skid dice? No, I don't feel bad about that. I mean, yeah. you know, if you get a nice set of really beautifully laser-cut uh, acrylic templates, beautifully custom, you know, embroidered dice, beautifully everything, and the game, and the cars it's still less than one unit box in maybe a games workshop game. And you go, yeah, I can do that. This is fantastic. Let me go bling this up a little bit. How do I, how do I add some, some next level stuff to this? And it, the converting through uh, the community groups, I know I'm not alone when people are going, ooh, how can I get this to the next level? And they're finding those, those cars from movies or television shows from their youth. And you know, they're going on eBay. And some of those cars are expensive. But again, compare it to other wargaming, it's dead cheap. You want to buy the, you know, Ecto-1, the Ghostbusters car? It's, you can get that for like 10 bucks. It's definitely one of the interesting aspects in terms of like trying to take the game up to the next level, whatever that means specifically mm. in terms of like its success or, or the size of its community. Because in, in itself, it's very self-contained and all the, you know, all of the big, all of the big successful games are driven by a, you know, schedule of a calendar of releases and mm. new units and new abilities and new things that you can start to to change the way that you play or counter things that were powerful before. And so, um, it, it, it's <laughs> there's like one part of me is like, Gaslands is kind of cheating because we don't have a miniature range mm. to hawk that uh, we can get away with stuff like the Friends of Gaslands where. Um, we're very distributed and it's very open source almost. It's like the kind of, um, it's almost like the, um, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, open gaming license model where right. uh, the game itself doesn't have a huge amount of, like I don't have a lot of um, products to be damaged by other people taking over. So I just want other people to contribute. But at the same time, it's sort of like, it slightly limits the, it slightly limits the sort of 
how how present the game is in people's minds month to month because you know they're not waiting for the new car to come out or they're not waiting for the new uh accessory set to come out or whatever so it's uh it's been intriguing trying to get around not not that problem but like the challenge of keeping the game front in people's minds yeah. at some level without having a schedule of, of of toys to go with it that's true but you've been keeping up i mean when you were on last time you talked about how there would be future releases coming out for the game that would be released through the website and 12 months on we have three full expansions the time extended pdfs that you've been putting out and um you just put out mm. the um the handy dandy reference screen which has of course the listings for every vehicle and every weapon in the game on it which is incredibly useful and i'm so glad you did that um why don't you talk about those expansions because i though my group hasn't really been using them tons um we've been you know kind of playing out of the rule book it's really nice to know they're there um, and I may have just bought a war rig, so I'm very excited, but, uh, why don't you tell us more about them? Yeah, I think, I, I think your experience is relatively common at the moment. In fact, talking to people at, um, at the shows that we go to, uh, people bounce over and they go, wow, Gaslands, we're super into this and we're playing it quite a lot at the moment. And the two things we always ask are, um, are you playing with audience votes? Because, uh, I foolishly put those right at the back of the book, even though they're one of the, the, the things that I like the most about the game, please play with audience votes. Um, the other thing we ask is, hey, what's your favorite sponsor? And so often people who are really enthusiastic about the game are like, oh, actually, we haven't really got to the sponsors and perks that much yet. Like I've kind of read them, but haven't started playing with them. So what that tells me is that there's enough fun in the core system that people aren't quite juiced out on the, 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 the main system and they're still enjoying just the physicality of the movement of the combat system, which is great. Um, but... Um, in order to make sure that people have got stuff to sort of think about and stuff to cogitate over and stuff to uh, to dig into in order to find you know new combinations and new uh, powerful builds, which is obviously an important thing for any war game to have. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the, the the expansions so far have been either new ways to play or new ways to build teams. And actually, that first that first expansion, the War Rig um, campaign, Savage Highways, uh, was in the book originally, but we had to cut it out because uh, it was slightly uh, oversized to fit in the uh, the slim format. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one was basically written uh, as the game was was going into production and then the rest were um you know as we as we kept playing the game locally we just had uh, a ton of ideas for um new teams new sponsors new kinds of perks new weapons new vehicle types um i was relatively conscious in the in the core book to not make the game look too scary and complicated because i knew that i wanted it to appeal to mm. you know to, to that kind of dad and son and daughter market very important to me and i wanted to distinguish it from you know car wars had lots of options gaslands doesn't have very many options but actually if you look at that new reference sheet and you look at just the page of weapons which is like a tiny front font table yes. with like five rows on it like oh actually there's kind of quite a lot of complexity here if you want it now mm-hmm. <laughs> As an old Car Wars so, player, that chart hit me right in the feels because it reminded me of the old one in Car Wars. I literally, you know, downloaded and printed that PDF, you know, that that page and I held it up and it went, oh, it's my childhood on a page. Um, but the way the vehicles, the classes, um, you know, the types of vehicles and the weapons are laid out on those charts. Um, it's amazing how versatile you can actually be and go, oh, yeah, this is this. Um, and it, it isn't a matter of, oh, I can't run the vehicle that I really want because there isn't a class to run it through. Oh, there is. 
Um, and you've been really inclusive of the things that you can actually add on and get crazy, like put tank tracks on your vehicle or put extra armor, mm. which just adds so much to the modeling potential of rather than just, you know, slapping a machine gun on it, which I'll be honest, most of my cars I've just done. Um, the idea of being like, oh, yeah, let me kick the wheels off that thing and take, you know, a set of tank tracks from this other model kit and throw it on there. Now we're cooking. And, uh, you know, just for giggles, but then how you actually then create an entire, you know, team around that uh, is just really exciting. So it's 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 a really well put together system. And I, again, I have to tip my hat to you on that one. Thanks, man. I think um, so. The, the last the last PDF we put out was TX3, which mm-hmm. has got the new vehicles in it. And uh, the new vehicles that you get in that are basically all kind of slightly gimmicky. They're, they're ambulances and ice cream trucks and kind of stuff that aren't really like the core vehicle. The core rules um, right. have got vehicle types which are really generic. And like you say, you can kind of use for any uh, situation. The only exception to that actually is uh, the heavy truck, which mm-hmm. is uh, a very basic um type which is in tx3 oh my goodness that should have been in the core rules i cannot believe i I missed that one out um it only occurred to me after we went to publication but uh yeah that's like if gaslands ever gets a second edition the uh, heavy truck is going right there in the core uh in the core rules because that one was just uh just a mistake like because otherwise you know what's your cement mixer what's your what's your dump truck what's your uh, Mm -hmm. what's your uh refuse lorry well, uh, Drew, the guy who I record this with, um, of course, has been working on a mask team, um, as in M-A-S-K, the 80s um, cars that convert and to have guns and, you know, the guys with the masks that lift you up and throw you around. Yeah, I listened to him talking about that. And Drew, of course, um, opened that PDF and the first things he said was, heavy truck, I can run the Rhino rig now. Because the Rhino rig, of course, he can't run it as a war rig because war rigs have trailers and the Rhino rig never did. And so he did the happy dance. And of course, um, when you're looking at the Highway Patrol as a new team, that's just awesome. So yeah, man, that the most recent expansion is really cool. And who doesn't love Truckosaurus, right? <laughs> Yeah, that that scenario, like that scenario, was basically an excuse to have not just a painting competition for the Truckosaurus, but also that vehicle type available. Um, but it went through quite a lot of iterations. That scenario, the first time I wrote it, um, the playtesters just came back and went, "Oh man, Truckosaurus is a dick. Can we just change the scenario? He's just ruining the game for everyone." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love that that sentence existed at some point. That is, uh, that is fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, okay, let's, um, so I, I know Truckosaurus, a lot of the pictures um, from these expansions, of course, come from the painting competitions. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about those too? Because I think that's another wonderful way that you've been engaging with this community. Thank you for saying it's a wonderful way of engaging with the community and not, hey, so with the friends and also the painting competitions, you don't seem to be doing any work here. Oh, please. <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think um, I was, because the, because the, <clears throat> because the, I wanted the PDFs to have, I wanted the expansions to have like a ton of new um, conversion pictures that get the you know get the ideas going get people excited about building new things because that's kind of the kind of the core of the hobby aspect of Mm -hmm. this game um and 
I'm already super busy writing the rules and playtesting the next expansions and working on the next game that I didn't really have time. Um, I don't really have time between that work and Babe to uh, to produce the kind of high quality stuff that um, I would like to be in the book. So yeah, just another really happy combination of wouldn't it be lovely if a game just featured models that have been um, contributed from the community and it's not like the game is presenting a kind of studio view an idealized view it's just the raw stuff from the community which is people's exciting ideas and their excitement boiled down into toy cars and i mean you you, you give you you put the you put the bat symbol up and people build and paint incredible mm-hmm. models and then take very nice crisp photos on white backgrounds and it's just super easy and what it it's it's delightful for me when i look through the pdfs now and it's just um it's like a team effort. It's just really, really heartwarming for me. Yeah, man. It, it it just speaks volumes about the community and how people engage with one another as well, as you say. And um, I just love how many, you know, sometimes in Facebook groups, um, you'll see someone go, hey, thanks for adding me. And you'll get, you know, a couple of grunts and maybe a like or two. But, you know, people go, you know, hey, I'm new to Gaslands. I just got the rule book. I don't know anything about this game. Help. And as you say, it's like they put up the bat signal and people just jump on and are like, yeah, let me help you out with this. Um, but it's not like this is the meta build that you need to build, buddy. Um, and just to go back to something um, that actually reminds me of something you were saying a minute ago. Um, when talking about um, people who uh, maybe aren't using the sponsors that often or aren't using audience votes, um, I'm not mm. embarrassingly raising my hand right now. Um, I may be one of those filthy, I just like the rules and I'm going to play with some cars with guns <laughs> on them guy. Um, but all my friends have, um, you know, one of my friends runs a Rutherford crew, um, another one's um, Michigan and that, you know, you just go through. Um, but I still have yet to run rules for one of the factions. I just run basic cars with guns on them. And in every single race that I run, um, I feel like I am, I have an equal chance winning as they do. Um, sure, I may mm. not get a little bonus rule or a, a bonus extra ammo or something like that, but at no point do I feel disadvantaged for just running my boring, you know, you know, cars with a couple of machine guns on the front. I love it. I just, I think it's fantastic, and I think it speaks volumes about the mechanics of the game that um, some of the people we play with, as as it sounds like couple of the people who've been helping with the rules uh maybe take it a little more seriously than some of us at other points um (laughs) i wouldn't say take it seriously it's just uh enjoying the interaction between the rules rather than uh rather than the story maybe yeah exactly but i i don't feel like i've ever played any person who's taking it hyper seriously and felt like oh um you know i've been curb stomped here i mean there have been game systems where i've been completely wiped off the table in a series of turns and then gone yeah that wasn't fun um i don't know if i really want to go through the learning curve of learning this game if you know once i do i'm gonna end up having to play like that um whereas (laughs) gaslands it's i mean no matter what that you can hear people playing the game they're laughing they are smiling they are having a blast and I have yet to see a game of Gaslands where someone looks like they're doing their taxes. Most other game systems, I've seen that game. Um, and I've played a lot of Gaslands at this point. And I think that just speaks volumes of um, just the culture that that sprung up with the game. But I, the game, that culture wouldn't exist if the rules didn't point it in that direction. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just a big fan. Um, and I did want to say, 
that uh, all the guys who I talked to from the or the Wednesday night Melbourne group. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I asked them all for questions, and every single one of them said the same thing. Please tell Mike thank you for a wonderful game. Um, <laughs> and I have literally email. I mean, I've emailed. I've spoken with rules writers for years. And I have never seen that kind of reaction. And I think that I, I, I don't know how to express to you in words how good this is. So, again, on behalf of all of us in Melbourne, thank you. Wow. I'm going to have the best day from this point onwards, man. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. And thanks to everyone in your group as well. I'm, uh, I'm touched. Oh, man, I, I didn't mean to make it super awkward, but I did not. <laughs> that that was very, like, highlighted with the giant circle on my note sheet is be sure to thank Mike on behalf of player group. So, um, yes, thank you. So that's good. That's good because you warmed my heart, which had just been crossed by a, a shadow of chill, which is you said uh, you said. I, I look over at some other games and people look like they're doing their taxes. And uh, I've put quite a lot of mechanics in the new game of ah. Billion Sons, which are basically feeling a little bit like you have to do accounting. I don't know if you've read the beta rules yet, Not but I'm yet. suddenly going, well, maybe I've gone too far in the other direction. Hey, man, they're, different games have different souls, and there is nothing wrong with a little taxes every now and then. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, let's, let's talk about that. A Billion Sons. Uh, give us the the elevator speech because the elevator speech for Gaslands had me hooked, and I know that a lot of people are looking for a game like this. So tell us about a billion suns. Is this also going to be through Osprey? It's also going to be through Osprey. It's nice. also going to be uh, one of their Blue Book uh, uh, series. Nice. So a billion suns is a um, it's an interstellar fleet combat game, mm -hmm. and I want this game to feel uniquely science fiction-y so it's going to be doing things that you've not seen in space fleet uh, or interstellar combat games before um, there's been a ton of really superb well there's been a couple of really really superb space fleet games mm. uh, obviously i love um, battlefleet gothic mm -hmm. uh, and i also really like um, a lot of the mechanics in uh, drop fleet commander mm -hmm. both andy chambers actually um yep. he, he's down with writing spaceship games um, and this game is going to be different to both of those things, and it's going to have uh, a couple of surprising new elements to it which make it look and feel very different on the table. And everything that I'm doing is to try and make something that is uh, both cinematic um, and also, you know, it just does things that you don't... It's not a naval game cast into space. It's doing completely science fiction-y things that only work in that, in that logical uh, setup. All right, I'm hooked. Uh, tell me more. So uh, you've, you've, you've dropped so many hints there that I just I have about a million questions. So what are some of these mechanics <laughs> that you have put in there to sort of make it a science fiction game, not just, um, you know, Navy ships in space? Sure. So straight off the bat, um, the first thing that you'll notice as you try and get set up for a game of uh, A Billion Suns is there's no army list and there's no deployment phase. Oh, Okay. Continue. So, uh, you, I'll, I'll just I'll give you a little little slice of background mm. just to, uh, just to kind of warm us up here. Um, we're about a thousand years in the future mm -hmm. um, from uh, from from uh, from today. Mm -hmm. uh, the hub of uh, the kind of human sphere of influence uh, is Mars, and uh, on Mars is like um, the begin the the sort of beginning of society. You might you, you you'll you'll see you'll see in the background that it's kind of casting forward from Gaslands because why not create your own mm -hmm. 
eternal universe. So anyway, nice. the, 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 the basic setup is uh, humanity is expanding colossally quickly, like a locust swarm across um, the galaxy. And uh, it's a kind of, um, it's a hyper, um, it's a hyper competitive, hyper sort of um, uh, uh, high, high speed trading, like everything is kind of faster than light. Uh, internet's causing incredibly fast trading between companies. And so really like, it's like a gold rush and everybody's trying to uh, scoot out to, to discover new systems, capture the resources, you know, um, uh, email their claims to specific parts of space back before the the next corporation can do it. Nice. So you're one of these. You're playing. Uh, you're playing an admiral uh, in some kind of uh, fleet for one of these corporations. And so the setup is you you end you uh, you start in a in a each game's played in a system and whatever the local systems administration AI is that's in charge of this bit of space is going to offer up some contracts. A bit like you might kind of expect from from almost like a, an RPG role playing um, video game rather. Mm. Nice. So uh, you, you you generate a couple of contracts, and they might be there mm -hmm. are some asteroids going behind them, or there's some people trying to escape from uh, from a from a, uh, a a planet, go save them, or there's some uh, comm satellites go hack them, or there's some space kraken go blow them up for space sushi. Yes. Um, there's a ton of different activities that you're trying to use to essentially generate revenue for your corporation. Mm -hmm. So there's there's the kind of general umbrella framing device so the first turn of the game there's nothing on the table apart from the stuff that you're trying to uh use to complete your contracts and get your uh, get your revenue and the first thing that you've got to do is um essentially choose what to buy off of the list of ships in order to put some models in to, to jump some models in oh, so the nice. first thing you do is jump one down and then you start jumping your ships into the the combat uh, volume um, by paying by paying a resource, and that resource that you pay, it's called OPEX at the moment in the playtest rules. Mm -hmm. That operational expenditure is the same thing that you gain if you start scoring um, victory points off the uh, off the contracts. So you've got to pay some money, go into deficit, and then if you're doing a good job um, completing the missions and destroying the other guys' ships, then you you start to get uh, money back. And ideally, you're going to make it into profit. But over the first couple of turns, you may just stay in debt. Nice. Now that sounds very much like it. It favors the the player that's doing well. And having played enough Gaslands, um, I can tell you that you, I mean, or at least I can guess that you're probably putting a mechanic in there to help those who aren't doing well. Um, because that's again one of the yeah. things I like about Gaslands. Yeah. So actually, because because you can spend as much as you want, um, there isn't a big advantage to scoring early. And it's not that by scoring early you can buy more ships and therefore you can deploy more and and it and it snowballs. Okay. Um, if if you get if somebody outsmarts you in in turn one or two, then you can just deploy heavy, pay the price, and if you if you wipe them off the table and score in the last couple of turns, you can make that back. So it is actually quite there's a kind of escalation aspect where if you deploy a little bit, maybe I deploy a little bit. If you go heavy, okay, I've got to counter that. Um, but now there's some heavy stuff on the board, which I can, if I can blow it up, I can get the cost back. So yeah, there's definitely, um, we're being, being very cautious about that runaway, uh, leader thing. Cause obviously it's the, it's the worst aspect of any uh, game. If it gets, if it gets, uh, to be a proper problem. Mm, absolutely. So what kind of board size and fleet size are we talking about with this game? So the board size doesn't matter Ooh. for a couple of different reasons, but basically because the game is entirely 
it doesn't have any edges there's no deployment zones there's no so of course yeah what at the beginning of the at the beginning of the turn you're going to put your one of your jump points down and later you can you can put more jump points down Mm -hmm. next to next to other ships that you've already deployed so you can spread out basically you and your opponents are just going to put the jump points down wherever they like and actually um in the current beta there's a way to drive through one jump point and come out of another one so uh, the playtesters have actually been messing about i don't know whether this is something we'll we'll recommend or not they've been messing around with playing with three separate tables and you can just move through those different places and just basically play on a dining room table and then the top of the cabinet next to it and then uh and, <laughs> and then a windowsill we'll see but like the basic point is um the table size doesn't matter and also the miniatures and the way that they're based doesn't matter either because everything's measured from the center of the model. So I'm trying to create a system where, because it's an Osprey blue book, it's um, not going to have a miniature range of its own. Mm. Uh, I want it to be super agnostic about all of that stuff. And again, uh, like trying to lower the sort of upfront investment. Like if you don't have a six by four gaming table, that's fine. You can still play a billion suns. That's cool. This is this sounds really really good, Mike. Um, well, what are, what are some of the? I guess give us some of the toys. Give us some of the the fun little the little the little hooks that will get us going. Ooh yeah, because I know you got a few in there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, one of the core parts of the game is uh, the command dice system. So um, I don't know if you, have you played Saga from Gripping Beast? I have not, but I've heard of how the system works. But for those who haven't, why don't you quickly explain it? Uh, well, so uh, all I was going to say is that Saga um, has a battle board system where at the beginning of each of the players' turns, you roll some uh, mm-hmm. some dice and then you assign the dice ready to spend to kind of power up your units with special rules. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a there's a somewhat similar concept in uh, a billion sons, which is that um, each admiral, um, which are the players, uh, each player's got like a number of uh, just d6s. Um, depending on the scale of the game, you get more or less um, command dice, and you roll those at the top of the turn. And they're essentially um, you've then got an admiral's helm card, which is basically a, bu- a bunch of slots that you can pop your dice into to power up certain effects. So if you want to jump ships in, you need to put dice into jump in. If you want to um, have a stronger attack, you can put dice into power up weapon systems nice. or power up shields uh, or divert power to shields. And those will be dice that you can then decide to spend later in the turn at the right moment in order to give you a bonus or give you a bump. Um, or allow you to take an action. So the dice that you roll and how you assign them is kind of uh, the first stage of the turn. And then revealing how you've assigned your dice to the other player will give you some indication about, okay, it looks like he's going to deploy heavy or he's put lots into priority activation. So it looks like he's going to attempt to um, alpha strike me or there's quite a lot in um, movement and shields. I think he's probably doing some tactical uh, maneuvering and defending this turn. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get a, a, a rough sort of bead on maybe what's in the other player's mind and then the turn begins and um you uh you go through the jump phases where uh lower dice in the jumps um in the jump command uh get spent uh sooner so that 
if you've got a six, for example, and jump in, you're going to be able to deploy last and wait for other people to um, to sort of commit their pieces first. Mm-hmm. And then as you get into the activation, and it's an alterva- alternating activation um, system, uh, then you get this priority activation step, which is basically if you've got dice in priority activation, then you can, for example, spend a six to, to get a, an activation before anyone else or a five mm-hmm. pretty much before and so on until you get back down to just everybody else in kind of remnant activations uh, sort of step zero if you like once everyone else has spent their priority activation dice so that's how kind of the, the the rough sort of shape of the turn works that's cool yeah i like it there's the element of resource allocation um the not quite knowing what your opponent's doing when you're allocating your own resources and then getting that idea of maybe what they're doing and sort of second guessing them um it's all it feels very in the nicest way possible, um, Star Trekky, like you're you're seeing the ships sort of their shields are powering up. You can see their weapons powering up, but you're not sure what they're doing yet. Um, and I, I yeah, think- so there's a couple of there's a couple of visual images which, like, as I'm writing the rules, I'm really trying to keep in mind. And and one is and one is the sort of um, uh, the the Star Trek bridge and people like you know with their fingers flying over the control systems like adjusting mm-hmm. adjusting shields and weapons um uh and so on and the other one is there's a moment in um i'm pretty sure it's uh, rogue one where there's like a corvette in the foreground um and it's just beginning to panic and starting to flee with the rest of the rebel fleet and then a star destroyer like jumps in Mm -hmm. and just obliterates it like drives straight through it and smashes it to pieces and that moment is like if that like if if you can do that in a billion suns then the game is is succeeding awesome yeah that is really cool i'm just uh reliving that moment in the from the movie in yeah. my head right now. Oh, that is cool. Um, now, I have to ask, when you've been playtesting this, um, just want to get a little peek behind the uh, the eyes of the designer. Um, what models are you playing it with? Uh, so I've got, <laughs> I mean, when you start writing a game, you're like, oh, cool, now an excuse to buy all the different diff- different toys that I want. Mm-hmm. So what have I been playing with? I, I started playing it with um, Star Wars Armada models. Mm-hmm. I guess that was one of my original impetuses for, for, for writing the, the rules was that um, I found Armada to be a somewhat disappointing game, mm. um, but the miniatures are absolutely glorious. Yeah, they uh, are. Although the base is really ugly. I'm gonna, I have uh, got plans to, to put them onto more polite bases. Mm. I've also got some um, drop fleet uh, commander stuff. Those are the things I use most regularly because they're absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I've got a host of... Um, ships from brigade games which is a small uh, uk company um and he and i uh, are in conversations about including um his stuff in the book because his miniatures are absolutely gorgeous yeah brigade um, does wonderful stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he's, he's been making quite a lot of new stuff recently and um because of these contracts and the way that the victory point system works um you need a couple things on the table for billion sons like uh you might need some uh, some space stations you might need some like civilian ships which may or may not have criminals in uh, and also each admiral is going to need between three and five um utility ships like kind of mining vessels or sort of um uh transports that kind of stuff because getting the getting the jobs done in the game requires these utility ships which are kind of slow and rubbish and poorly armored and poorly mm-hmm. armed mm-hmm. but uh, you need to protect them. They need to get to the place and do the thing um, whilst your big, um, whilst your big hairy battleships are, are kind of providing the cover and fire. Oh, that's cool. 
uh, what I'm just envisioning here is a crud load of conversions. Um, just people. I mean, I remember back in the day with Battlefleet Gothic where people would be like, oh, I'm going to take this bolter. I'm going to cut it in half and I'm going to add this little bit to the top and I'll add that to the back of a ship and it'll look like a whole new ship. And it did. Um, because once you've added it to the little ship and the scale being different, you paint it, it blends right in. Um, I'm just getting, you know, that warm, tingly feeling of um, all the conversions for Gaslands vehicles, except now in space. Um, and that's just, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, one of my longtime collaborators, uh, um, John, who uh, was there right at the beginning of Gaslands and uh, has been helping in the early stages, was helping very much in the early stages. He just kept, he kept asking that question. He was like, come on, Mike where is the Gaslands sort of scratch-built, converted-up, household items answer to spaceships? You've got to find it. Uh, and I, I, I am still looking. I think there's definitely conversions to be had, but um, making a cool-looking spaceship is a tougher job than uh, taking, a, taking a toy car. There's no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I've got absolutely. a I've got a drawer of uh, plastic card bits that um, I, 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 think, uh, I think there's a challenge to be, uh, to be right. undertaken. Yes. <laughs> right on um yeah so um, i mean the stage that we're at, at the moment is um it's got about six or eight months until i got to turn the manuscript in and um the play testing group is sort of 50 odd people on the website and maybe 200 odd people on facebook um and uh, if you head over to a billion sons dot space then um i know who knew that dot space was a was an actual url right um, i was just wondering that uh but um you can download the beta rules if you sign up and give me your email address so that i can send you updates as they get delivered and the game is changing quite a lot at the moment so everything that i've described there is basically unlikely to change at this point in its overarchingness. but all of the specifics are kind of altering and like i'm about to release a new version where i'm completely overhauling the um the saving throw system because that wasn't really working and um i've changed the movement system a couple times recently because i want the game to play like um you know like that that kind of scene where um a general in the war room is kind of pushing the toy soldiers around with a long um stick mm -hmm. uh, rather than being super accurate about it so at the moment it's quite it's quite fast and loose in the movement phase because it's much more about uh, the specific positioning rather than how you get to that specific position because the intention is that you're in a big three-dimensional space stuff can go around each other like there's not a lot of blocking and um, getting in each other's way like there might be in a sort of um, an infantry um, war game right uh, yeah so it's quite a lot of change uh, going on at the moment but the I mean this is just exactly where I love being. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the playtesting um, and iteration stage of Gaslands, and it's cool to be back here with a new game that I'm also really excited about, and I think is going to do something new and and um, and catch people's eye. Um, and it's just changing all the time, and like people are providing fantastic feedback where they're like, "Well, this doesn't really work, and I didn't really understand this." And have you thought about you know adding a carrier class? And it's just a great it's a great time. I love this bit. That's awesome. And I think that I think that is one of the reasons why um, Gaslands is such a good game is I know from the last time we talked, you spent so long, you know, taking the rules, feeding them out to players who broke the hell out of it, handed it back to you. And then you actually there were you know constant reiterations of it till it got to the point where it was, you know, lean and trim and ready for the tabletop. 
And um, just hearing the way that you're like, yep, I'm not married to this particular concept whatsoever. Um, it isn't working, so I'm changing it and I'm revamping it. And I think that, I mean, that just really will help a game system run smoothly, especially when you're not just doing what same, some game companies do, was take a few mechanics and then just reuse it in every game that they make. Um, you're actually reinventing the wheel each and every time you come out. Um, and that's a big deal. And I assume that um, playtesting is a, is a major part of you making that work. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because the thing that you get so stuck on is once you understand how a rule works, or you explain it to a playtester once, and they just know how it works. You show the game cold to somebody else, and they come back and they go, "I can't even get past the first. Like I can't even get into the first turn. I just don't understand what's going on here." Yeah. And you're like. Oh yeah, because you didn't have me explaining how it works, and actually the rulebook is currently doing a terrible job of that. Um, so it's it, yeah, it's invaluable. It's like um, uh, when I started the Gaslands playtesting, and the um, the guys, um, um, the Battlehammer guys on YouTube, um, videoed themselves playing the game cold a couple of times, and I was able to like fly on the wall. These two guys who are experienced with loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of miniature games, trying to stumble their way through this terrible kludge of a rule book that I'd written and seeing all the, seeing all of the in inverted commas mistakes that they made according to the intention uh, that I had. But of course they were just working with what they had and it was really illuminating to find where all of the, um, the gaps are. Interesting. So what are you looking, what have you learned from Gaslands um, that you are looking to implement in a billion suns? Uh, I think the biggest lesson is uh, other than other than iterate every part of the system a million times until it's absolutely um, singing. Mm -hmm. The main thing is just people are quite people are really forgiving about the idea that it doesn't have to be realistic if it's more fun that way. Yes. Um, I think there's there's a ton of things in Gaslands that the first time you get to them, you look at them sideways and you're like, what? Surely it should do this. Yeah. Like collisions is an obvious one where collisions are a bit like counter to what you would expect. Like nothing moves and there's no like spinning around and, you know, you can just drive through people. And it's it, it's a little bit people it always catches people out initially but i think um that's my biggest lesson is to kind of stick to stick to my guns when it comes to fun first and just go with the thing that ultimately is the most enjoyable play experience rather than the best simulation totally totally right on well i am super excited to see that if if folks are and i know you've mentioned it a few times but can you say the website one more time if folks are interested in signing up for the beta of uh, a billion sons where can they find more info Yep. Yeah, so the uh, it's a billion suns with no spaces or hyphens or anything. Just a billion suns dot space. Space, space, space. Awesome. And in my head, all I hear is monster, 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 trucks, trucks, trucks. <laughs> when you're doing that, sorry. Um, which of course, of course, relates back to Gaslands. Um, I, I do have to ask. Um, there's a couple of things, uh, variations of Gaslands that are sort of throwaway lines in the rulebook that have me grinning like an idiot when I read, going, <laughs> "Hmm." One of which is, if you want to play Gaslands in 28 millimeter, take the uh, template page and enlarge it to A3 size and use that. And I'm just thinking, has Mike played this in 28 millimeter? <laughs> 
Uh, have I played this in 28 millimeter? No, I never have played it in 28 mils. Oh, it's it, it just it's calling to me because I have um, oodles and oodles of World War II and modern uh, trucks, you know, laden with guns. I'm thinking this is perfect. Let me put these on the table. But then it's you get into that old uh, you know bolt action discussion of is it 156 or is it 148 or is oh. it something else entirely? Um, no, what- so, yes, no. I have I have played it in 28 mil because yeah. um, we have a bunch of um, bolt action tanks and um, what's that like plastic sprue tanks game that just had tanks in it? Uh, I think it might just. Tanks. I think it's just tanks. Yeah, it is literally yeah. tanks. So yeah, we, yeah we, had, we had a bunch of those when we were playtesting the tank commander scenario that's in mm-hmm. TX2, um, which is basically if you haven't had a look at TX2, that scenario basically just gives you World of Tanks Gaslands edition. No. So you only have tanks, and there's some additional rules for like pivot, pivoting your turrets and so on. Um, but just everybody tank tanks each other. Um, uh, you may have just told me what I'm doing on my school holidays, Mike, and I don't mean a little bit. I literally own something like 60, uh, 156 World War II tanks, and I'm looking at them in a case right now. Um, and I do love Gaslands, so, uh, I just, it looks like I need, uh, the enlarged templates pretty quickly. So yeah, basically, uh, partly I love tanks blowing up other tanks computer games, but also, um, you can only get the tank access to the tank if you play Rutherford and not everyone wants to play Rutherford all the time. Right. So, uh, the tank is kind of a fun thing that doesn't see the table enough. So if everybody wants to play tanks, then tank commander TX2 get involved. Also, um, you have unlimited ammo for your tank gun, which uh, means you can have more fun doing that. And also means that, uh, because you've got an un- unlimited ammo, you will automatically explode when you die, which of course adds to the fun that's awesome uh especially given um how fantastic explosions are in a game of Gaslands. um i was playing <laughs> i got us i you know i'm sorry i know we're i'm talking to the author of the game and i want to tell game stories so the most recent game of Gaslands, we were showing a new guy around and we just it was a very basic race everyone had a couple cars and we all had some guns on it and um, my friend tim got behind me with his um, tr- I had a performance car with some machine guns on it and I was flying forward and unfortunately my machine guns were pointed to the front and Tim was chasing me um, with a SUV. I think he was using pickup truck rules that had a flamethrower and I had a bad spin out so I was going slow enough that he caught up with me, lit the back of my car on fire. Of course then I exploded and in the process he then exploded because he was so close to me that the explosion then blew him up. Um, and then that blew up the car behind him and it was amazing. And it was just going, yep. And that cleared out the front three cars in this race. And the guy behind that one. And it was like that wonderful, uh, Olympic games where the speed skating competition was happening and Everyone fell down, but the Australian guy who was in last place who just skated to the finish line and won. And it was going, yep, that just happened. Amazing. <laughs> Okay, so I just last night before I before I hit the sack added the explosion rule to a billion sums. Yes. It doesn't. It uh, you just you've just made me realize it doesn't do what it needs to do because it hands out some uh, some things called disorder tokens which don't destroy you and so doesn't allow the cascading explosion. So I'm going to change that right after this. Oh, fantastic! I loved uh, I love that uh, my bad story had a, had a thumbprint on your new game. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Tim's flamethrower will appreciate that. Uh, speaking of Rutherford, anyway, um, uh, Mike, I- I'm sad to say our time is almost up, but 
Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Because I could literally sit here and ask you Gasland stories or Billion Sun stories all day long. Um, I, I, there's just so many questions. Uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about, my man? Because there, I mean, I could hear you talk about just about anything. <laughs> I guess the only thing I want to plug is um, we've got a competition running. Uh, the next painting competition is running. So if you hit up gaslands.com or you uh, go to the Facebook group Gaslands on Facebook, um, you can find that we're running. Um, it's a wasteland dioramas uh, painting competition. So this time, all of the previous ones have just been vehicles. This time, I wanted to see what people do with the idea of creating a little, um, a little scenic uh, diorama um, for uh, inclusion in TX4, which is going to be um, the long-awaited, detailed campaign system with damage systems yes. and uh, and cards across games. Um, so for that. Go check out the um, go check out the Wasteland Dioramas painting competition on the website. Amazing! I cannot wait for that because uh, those campaign rules you're talking about have uh, yeah have had us talking uh, in the wings for a little while now. And I guess I do have one last question for you. Um, we are actually going to be running our first proper Gaslands event. We run a lot of um, you know as I said a. a, a a fortnightly meeting at Good Games Melbourne, a little plug for uh, Good Games. Um, but we like to get together at night and play games and have a good time. But, you know, it's always sort of, well, what, what race do you want to play? Um, let's throw down some cars and have a good time. We're actually going to run our first organized event. Um, and given the structure and the way that Gaslands plays, is there, uh, do you have any recommendations for organized events? Because I know there are some people that have done it in the past. Um, and I know you've been involved. Um, it just, it's such a fun and unique game that I think all my experience with tournament organizing, a good chunk of it I can just sort of throw out the window and start from scratch. Um, do you have any good advice for um, other than to keep it fun? Um, yeah, so I guess a couple of rules of thumb would be um, make sure that the way that you set the tournament up is basically three to four players per table rather than the standard two. Mm. Um, which does mean that you also need to have a little bit uh, slightly longer rounds or keep the cans to 35. Right. But I would recommend essentially, right. I guess, I guess the, the slightly higher level suggestion is treat it like you would treat a, um, a narrative um, event for a, for a harder system. Mm. Uh, we have tried, we've experimented with, uh, with crunchy tournaments. We played a three race uh, a three-round race, uh, death race tournament um, at the beginning of the year, mm. and there's definitely there's definitely some fun to be had there, um, and so I think that kind of that kind of crunchier um, race setup could be uh, could be a thing that you try. But my my general advice um, is treat it more like you would treat like a story a story encounter event for Malifaux or a narrative event for uh, for Warhammer, and create situations using the, the, the rule book scenarios where essentially, you know, three to four players are having a blast. Um, and then you can, you know, because, because of the setup of the game, you can have, you know, a toy car for everyone and you can have maybe, you know, softer prizes for, um, for the, for the best conversion or the best looking team, uh, or, uh, you know, the, or, or some kind of achievements like the most explosions or the most audience votes gained. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a bit more of like a, you know, there's a bit more of achievement set up than, than a straight, um, a straight crunchy, uh, fight to the finish. Cause I think ultimately Gaslands isn't really a tournament game. Like 
it's it, it's it's as crisp as we can make it, and I'm sure it could be crisper. Um, but um, in in uh, in the final of the um, the death race uh, tournament that we played, um, one of the playtesters, Joe, who's a very strong uh, player of many games, he took a Miyazaki team, which was a uh, uh, a performance car with lots and lots of perks mm-hmm. and a, a single buggy. And he essentially completed the entire racetrack in uh, the first turn by, I think, gear phase four, and everybody else hadn't even passed the first gate. And he just executed beautifully like he just placed every template used the uh the um the the the, the expertise perks mm-hmm. and just essentially finished the race like like a ballet dancer before anybody else had basically got off the off the starting line it was amazing to watch but uh <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> i i think what you're describing is exactly what we have in mind as well um i, I don't think there's going to be any hard trophies for um you know bloodthirster or best general or anything like this it's going to be more like how many audience votes? How many times did you die? Um, and that, those are the trophies. And I think it's going to be, um, it's a, that is definitely the feel we're going to be going for. Um, but I think, as you say, mixing up the missions will be a big part of that. So it's not like you're just throwing down the same cars optimized for the same kind of race. Um, you'll have to sort of take that jack-of-all-trades um, master of none approach to list building, which I'm sure, I mean, there's some things you can do. But um, as you say, you know, it is a crisp set, um, but I'm sure, as you say, it could also probably be crisper if you wanted to play competitively. But if you want to just get together with your mates and push some cars around and laugh, which is what we're aiming to do, uh, I think that is the plan. And, of course, that will also be um, at Good Games Melbourne. For those wondering, uh, it will be Australia Day weekend. So it's going to be the 27th of uh, January, and that is going to be... Um, the same time CanCon is. Uh, so we will be running probably simultaneously with the CanCon Gaslands event. Um, it is basically for folks who will not be making it. So if you're in Melbourne uh, on Australia Day weekend and you're looking to play some good old Gaslands, uh, come find us at Good Games. It's going to be a good time. Anyway, sorry, silly plug thrown in. No problem. If you allow me to plug something for myself. Please. Uh, if you're in the UK, um, in February, we're going to be back at bones con which is this uh this year it's going to be at guildford last year it was in birmingham this nice. year it's in guildford um bones con is like an american style kind of weekend of gaming and drinking across a whole host of systems um but me and a bunch of guys are going to be there with gas hands. we'll have three or four tables set up we'll likely run an event on one of the three days um but in general we'll just be there hanging out playing Gaslands, and also um demoing uh, and play testing uh, a billion suns as well so february bones con uk come see us Definitely, man. Definitely. I can't wait to see it. And I want to see the pictures of A Billion Suns being played. I'm going to have to look this up tonight. It's going to be good. Um, Are there a lot of pictures through the uh, website yet? Or are you sort of keeping that under the uh, sort of under the curtain until you get closer to release date? Yeah, so the website is basically just the design blog at the moment. So you mm-hmm. can check out some some thoughts as the game's unraveling there. There's a closed um, beta group on Facebook, and there's a forum on the on the um, on the Billion Suns website. So you can have a little look. Uh, but it's yeah, it's still kind of under wraps at the moment. Okay. Well, I will uh, I will wait patiently with my sitting on my hands waiting um, because uh, I I still have many hours of Gaslands to be played in the next couple of weeks, let alone months, let alone year. So um, I will have plenty to do until we get a final uh, billion suns out. But I cannot wait. 
Well, Mike, I have to say, um, I know that scheduling uh, in term four, as I'm a primary school teacher, is often ugly, and I cannot thank you enough for making the time to come back and speaking with us. I know battling through um, early morning wake-ups at your end and bad Skype connections and everything else isn't always easy, but you've been an absolute gem, and it is a pleasure having you back on, sir. Thank you very much. No problem. It's been rad to talk to you again, man. Oh, well, I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the next the next PDF when it drops and seeing those campaign rules. And uh, I will be posting pictures of me playing 156 tank gaslands uh, very shortly because um, I was literally just having that conversation the other day, and it shows that I've embarrassingly um, downloaded the first and the third PDF, and I was saving the second one for school holidays. I didn't actually realize the tank rules were in there, so um, bad host, not doing my research, but uh, I was saving myself a little Christmas present, and now I know that there's something excellent in the stocking for me to be playing on the school holidays. So look for more of those uh, pictures soon, guys. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this, as always, I have to thank you for taking the time. I know I've said it before, um, podcasting is technically free. Um, if you listen to it, um, you don't have to pay anything to listen to a podcast. However, uh, your time is precious, and I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to listen to me, of all people, um, on this particular day of your life. So I have to thank you so much for your time and, um, as always, for your patronage. And I hope uh, to give you lots of great and more content coming up in the weeks and months to come, especially with the great school holiday. There's a lot of awesome content planned. Um, I just need to survive the next couple of weeks to get it to you. Um, but we'll get there. Anyway, uh, as always on Cast Dice, I have to say, when you are playing the games that we love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, I hope you are having fun. Good night. And that's